Welcome back, Rancher Nation. Frank and Susie hanging out with you from the East Valley Institute of Technology. Uh, as we tell you every week, uh, one of the, well, Arizona's first career technical program, series of high school programs at a uh, high school level. And yeah, I know, Mom and Dad, if you're listening, uh, high school is coming back in the fall. I want you guys to get on to ebit.com. Welcome back, Ranch Nation. I want you guys to settle in, uh, relax a little bit. Uh, you know, it's been a little odd out there. We can all agree. I think life right now is like one big puzzle. That puzzle, we knew how to put those pieces back together, but for some reason right now, there's a few pieces, Susie, that just don't feel like they're going back in right. That's right. Makes you question your mathematics. <laughs> Makes you question your science ability. But not on Wrench Nation. We always are humble and grateful that you guys could spend some time with us. And on this week's show, we're honored to have, uh, well, a topic that a lot of you have seen. It's almost like sci-fi. If folks, uh, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago uh, thought maybe they could read about this particular industry, this futuristic industry, they'd read about it. Uh, what was the, the, the character that, uh, well, the great legendary uh or, or was it, or I say, I don't know. Orson. Who are you talking about? I'm trying to figure out the guy that wrote the books. And you guys know. Orson Welles? Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. And that was a guess. I know. I was going to say Orville Redenbacher, but that's no, popcorn. Orson we, Welles, the We can't do the popcorn. <laughs> but what I'm saying is you guys have read these books. You read sci-fi. Kind of, what's the future look like? Your favorite comic book. You're in there like, oh, wow, lasers. and Well, that stuff is here, particularly as it relates, of course, our little automotive show, uh, three D printing. That is so interesting. I know you've heard of it, but you may question what is it exactly used for? Is it practical? Is it functional? Did I use something in my life today that was made from 3D printing? It could be. <laughs> I mean, could you be could you think about this for a moment and you'd be surprised? We're gonna tease you a little. That's how we do. We like to tease you guys. <laughs> But, you know, 3D printing refers to any manufacturing process which builds or forms 3D parts in layers. Now, if you don't get it right, these layers get sloppy. It's like a sandcastle that goes kaput or something like that. It's laser built in. And that's all I know. That's all you know. I am listening, <laughs> tuning in we're, we're with you. Learn. <laughs> we are going to learn because uh, our, our special guest, uh, CEO and co-founder, of a company out of California doing some incredible things, Form Alloy. I invite you to visit Form Alloy. We're going to get all the social media handles here in a little bit, but get on a Form Alloy. If you're at home right now or you're just chilling out uh, somewhere out there, no texting and driving, please, get on a Form Alloy. They are doing some incredible things by way of 3D printing. And Melanie Lang, she has, well, she's gotten into this disruptive Technology? Yeah, it'll be fun to interview her. Now, I'm just saying, if you're going to disrupt things, <laughs> it's risky. It can be. 3D printing. When it first came out, I'm sure it was risky. I'm sure there were naysayers. Mm -hmm. Tesla. When it came out, Elon Musk, he was, well, wait a minute, Elon Musk, Tesla. A lot of naysayers. 
Well, that electric car, never going to get anywhere. Now, look. Look, he succeeded. Well, yeah. I mean, gosh, look at that stock. Say what you will about the stock, but it's pretty hefty. So we're honored to have Melanie Lang, uh, co-founder and CEO of uh, Form Alloy, uh, joining us to discuss all things 3D printing. As it relates to, come on, let's face it, people, automotive parts. That's what we want to know. Will we have? I know that uh, there are some... uh, case examples out there currently uh, on the high end, what I've seen on the high end of sort of the luxury uh, automotive market that, uh, you know, parts, well, expensive parts that that matter uh, are being produced and manufactured via 3D printing. So we're going to bring that to you. Um, I thought this time of year, a lot of you, uh, yes, you are, you're out there shopping for a car. You came down to our garage. We gave you bad news. And you said, nope, Susie, nope, Frank, I'm trading her in. And we celebrated with you. And we agreed with you. That car was not a hoopty. It was a kaputti. It was kaput. <laughs> so as uh, you know, there are many surveys. Some can be trusted. Some are well-renowned. And some we just don't trust. I'm I mean, sitting that's the, at the edge of my seat. I'm, I want mean, to know some, where you're going with this. Some people don't. You read these surveys about the car industry and what would be really important to you right now, buying a new car, you're going to treat yourself is the survey of consumer satisfaction. That means that how well did these vehicles score amongst your peers in all kinds of categories? And that is the JD power quality study that comes out every year. And JD power, I have to say pretty well respected. Um, Say what you will. I know a few haters, but I don't trust them either. Well, we're going to uh, indicate right now which uh, which cars actually this year, Susie, had some of the highest ratings. As to the best to buy or the In worst to buy? In overall quality. All right. So uh, everything from new car smell to how reliable. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, not that you're not going to buy a car. Oh, that just was not a new car smell to me. <laughs> I don't know who sat in this before. But really overall quality that has to do with how... How easy the car was for me to use. Okay. Mom, I'm talking to you. You got four kids in the back, and now you've got this state-of-the-art technology on wheels, and you are frustrated because these buttons and switches, it's like it's like the cockpit of a plane. Mm-hmm. And your Bluetooth doesn't work, or the Wi-Fi doesn't work. And I will tell you guys, very important, we have lost the art of the walk-around, which means you buy a car, yeah, if you're spending this kind of money, I want to know my car inside and out. You know, I could read the owner's manual or play on a CD disc or thumbnail or website. They send you the owner's manual. Right. You can go through that. But demand a nice walk around and don't be afraid to ask questions. All right, enough of that teasing. <laughs> Which cars are on the list? How many of you would think some of these cars would never have made the list? Maybe not years ago. Two of them right now have the highest owner satisfaction. All things Dodge and Kia. Really? So domestic and foreign. Now I'm going to get right into it. Who would be listed as the worst? Because we're going to talk about this a little deeper, but I figured I'd let, well, who's on the other side? Who's the worst? I'm not going to pick. Now I'm a little impartial to this. This This is what makes me think, okay, wait a minute. JD Power, who, what? Consumer data from 35 states. Well, consumer satisfaction on the worst side are poor 
good friend, who someday will be on the show, Tesla. Ooh. Now, why is that? Remember, what makes you, as a consumer, satisfied? Well, you want the thing to be reliable. Right. You don't want to visit our shop often. Never. And you want all those gadgets to be user-friendly. And so Dodge and Kia, and specifically, so you guys didn't think this came from Wrench Nation La La Land, um, this was a study, the industry average across 31 brands ranked for 2020 uh, with 166 complaints, complaints about confusing or glitchy. What's the biggest complaint, Susie? Glitchy infotainment. I was going to say it was the technology. Now, yep. I got to tell you, we are sort of in this transition. It reminds me from carburetor to fuel injection. We got the carburetor after so many years. And I know I'm going to get technical. Maybe not. We got the carburetor as mechanics and technicians. We got it down-packed and all of a sudden fuel injection. We don't need carburetors. Now we got to learn this. Well, it's the same thing with your dash. We had a simple stereo. Well, we had a CD player. That was exciting. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there was a USB port. Now is this infotainment system with voice recognition, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto uh, connectivity, uh, touch screens that sometimes don't work. I got a Ford Explorer. I have a complaint. It's 135,000 degrees out here in Arizona. My screen don't come on. <laughs> it's hot. They said, uh, you don't deserve me right now. I'm hot. But those are some of the complaints. And essentially, you as consumers will complain about the usability of all those things, that infotainment center. You ever get frustrated, Susie? Well, because I don't have a newer car, Frank, I've got old school, so I'm good. Old school. See, you got a future classic. I do. <laughs> I have an on and off button. You know what's really cool, though? I, and I haven't really figured this out. Maybe if you're listening, you can reach out to us, of course, wrenchnation.tv. Get on the website or wrenchnation Facebook or Instagram. Why is it with all this technology, we still have the same dull, for the most part? There's a very few exceptions, but we all can agree we have the same dull turn signal. Click, look, click, look. <laughs> like, why couldn't. Like, I know, I hear you, Chrysler LeBaron in the 80s, Lee Iacocca, he, you know, he had commands. The door is ajar. You had a beautiful lady. on. You know, her voice yep. was. But to this day, there's got to be a safety reason. Like, do we perk up? Do you do? I mean, am I right or wrong here? Can we relate to that? I think so. Bree, your car does a click, 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 click. It, I mean, it doesn't. There's nothing fancy. No. Should it be fancy? I don't know. Like last week, we talked about the husband who changed his wife's chime to total, the music. Now, that is cool. Right? I love that. Get yeah. rid of that. But again, it's technology. Anyway, there you are. Uh, Jeep Ram, I've got a, one more uh, item of news. Um, you know, we know that cars are expensive. They can be expensive in general. And I'll just break it to you. Probably one of the most wasted investments we can have. I know coming from a 30-year mechanic, garage owner, you probably wouldn't hear this from me. But- it is a fact. A car or truck or van, whatever you're buying, automotive, one of the biggest wastes you can have. Now, it does take care of us. However, how much of the percentage of the day are you driving that seven-year car payment? Think about it. That's true. Uh, studies show, what is it, 8%, 10%, yeah, 11%. So um, you think about the cost of vehicles, and we want what we want. And I get it. Some of you want all the bells and whistles. But I don't know according to this article, that I'd want a Jeep Grand Wagoneer that could cost up to $100,000. Yeah, 
Really? That's fact. The Jeep Grand Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer SUVs are expected to bring all kinds of additions. Well, additions. <laughs> like, that's fancy. We're going to cost you some coin. I mean, you're in Land Rover Range Rover coin for a Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Now, I'll probably get some hate from you Jeepies, and that's okay. But they've been really tight-lipped about this, and they're, you know, I don't know if this is a marketing promo, but they're saying that this uh, Jeep Grand Wagoneer could cost up to $100,000. Now, I wish I could tell you some of the fancy materials uh, that will be supposedly awash throughout the cabin, <laughs> past the Grey Poupon. I don't know. I just don't see my Jeep family out there. Would you pay 100 k for That's a pretty expensive. Grand Wagoneer, it is. Yeah. All right, what's happening in your world, Susan? Well, since you took up the whole first segment, good thing mine is short here, Frank. All right, I'm going home. I'll see you. <laughs> Bye. So, quick question. What does Central Cabarrus High School, Charlotte Motor, um, Charlotte Motor Speedway, and Speeches have in common? They're fast. They're fast? Kids are the high school? putting out fast speeches. <laughs> I don't know. So you're saying what, the, what Charlotte Speedway and the, the local yeah, high Central school. Central Cabarrus High School and speeches. What do they have in common? Well, I would think they'd be fast. I don't know. What no, do you got? it's where the class of 2020 graduation commencement occurred. Oh, nice. On the, that, on the racetrack. On the racetrack. Yeah, Is that people, not cool? People open up your racetracks. Uh, you know, it used to be just for racing. Now it's a COVID city, man. Open it up to... We need that. Yeah, it was really cool, too, because teachers all lined up on the asphalt. Um, all the cars paraded around. They collected their diplomas, and they finished at the finish line. That, Is that beautiful? That is awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I got to give credit, though, to Daytona and Texas Motor Speedway, who also uh, participated in graduation classes. Just a feel good. I mean, it is it's a feel not, good. I mean, I know how it is. I mean, Bree, you did something here at campus. Evit, it was a big coordination of having these cars. Most of you listening, you got in your car. Uh, listen, you can go to EDC concerts now. Uh, all these rave, I call them raves because I'm, I'm from the 80s. People are laughing. But <laughs> used to go to these raves. My daughter, I would go with her, the big Vegas event, the big uh, events out here. Now it's get in your car, put some shaving cream on your car, and show up to a rave. <laughs> I mean, we got to reinvent. Would you agree? Oh, uh, yeah. And it's the same. I like the reinvention. Yes. Because for a while back in April, how many of you felt bad for these high school graduates? Heck yeah, you did. Yeah. We didn't go through that. And you had to really think out of the box to make it memorable. Yeah. So kudos to all of you, not only the um, sort of the pomp and circumstance of these uh, wonderful racetracks, but the average person thinking out of the box to help their neighbor, help their kids have a memory, man. Yep. Because we need to overcome this situation. <laughs> and it's beautiful. Yes, it is. All right. Well, 3D printing is on the soup du jour today uh, show topic. Uh, as designers and hobbyists utilize 3D printing to create custom looks with custom colors, uh, the automotive parts and performance applications of this technology is starting to percolate. Will you have a 3D printed seat, dash console, water pump? Well, we don't know. We're going to figure this out. We're honored to have uh, Form Alloys co-founder and CEO, Melanie Lang out of California. She's going to be joining us next. Ranch Nation. I'm going to wake up, yes and no. I'm going to kiss some part of. I'm going to keep this secret. I'm going to close.
Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, nationwide locations. You know, one of the problems that I can have working in my garage is parts aren't delivered on time, the quality isn't there. Well, guess what? Who's yelling at me? My clients, and they're likely not to come back. Well, the Parts Authority Auto Parts Superstores, amazing service, knowledgeable counter folks, a complete line of original equipment, parts that our customers deserve. If you're an installer, Get on to partsauthority.com. Check locations nationally near you. Partsauthority.com. I want my mileage back. Of course you want your mileage back. And all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned, and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG. Right on. Visit uh, WrenchNation.tv. You've got over 195 shows. Lou Santiago from uh, Carfix, uh, Muscle Car Garage, was uh, a recent guest. And, uh, well, I always like to promote uh, Princess Vidita Singh from Burwani. Mm-hmm. Your favorite car talk show has interviewed a princess, <laughs> and we are honored. But she's an amazing automotive artist, and you've got plenty of shows there. A big shout-out to our weekend listeners, uh, 90.7 The Neon. You guys rock for spending time with us, as well as KFNX. Uh, 1100 on the AM side. We appreciate you. Make sure you get on wrenchnation.tv and uh, give us your input for the show. Now, 3D printing has been around uh, quietly since the 90s, and it's sort of, in the last five years for sure, made its way. That technology that is allowing us to reproduce, and specifically uh, in the automotive uh, parts side, whether it's a Bugatti Veyron clutch pedal or, hey, that hard-to-find 1927 Ford part, there's a lot, by the way, of what we're doing now and the future, and we're honored to have Melanie Lang from Form Alloy. She's co-founder and CEO. She is knee-deep in the 3D printing world. Welcome to the show, Melanie. Hi. Thank you for having me. Awesome. You know, I got to ask you, because the people want to know, what do we have right now that's exciting? Give us secrets that's happening in the automotive parts world. Are manufacturers really looking at the 3D printing side as a way to maybe make a water pump or a valve cover? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, 3D printing gives you the flexibility to work with a much wider range of materials, even multi-materials, and do some complex geometries that would be very difficult, if not impossible, to do with traditional manufacturing. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we obviously we deal with a lot of parts. We have a lot of technicians from across the country listening. Uh, once in a while, we get a part that uh, isn't right by the way of casting. Uh, the, 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 the book said it looked right. The picture looked right. Um, tell us the difference. What, what benefit will the sort of CAD data have? Will we take out those imperfections? Will it be right every time? What, what, tell us more about that. I, I think it's another tool for your overall toolbox. So I don't see you know, 3D printing replacing all, all manufacturing that's being done, especially for automotive parts and high volume. That's very mature, well-defined. You know, I see it more where, hey, we can add something like a copper to an aluminum part for a high-performance engine, or we can make your tooling that we can do much cheaper and faster for some of the die-cast aluminum parts. So if you have something like a design change or a recall, you don't have to invest in all the tooling. You just print it. Right. You're talking millions and millions and millions of dollars, big warehousing, big tooling, where you can have this exception 
by way of producing it through 3D printing. I like that. Susie, would you currently, do you have any vehicle right now? Because, listen, we got Melanie Lang on this. I know. If you, your old Celica, that future classic, are you missing a part that you can't find? (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, really, Melanie, that's what we're kind of talking about. Maybe not with an 87 Celica, but maybe um, if one wanted to have that done, that is possible currently. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's one of the benefits of 3D printing. You can you can repair an old part that you can't replace, or you could scan it and create a new model and 3D print it as is. I yeah. just can't wrap my, my arms around well, that. Let's, I just, explain, it's hard. let's see. Let's explain this process. I mean, we just talked about some CAD data that you would sort of input. Give us a, a general idea, if you can paint a picture of what what's happening with 3D printing. How does it all work? Yeah, sure. So typically you take a a CAD model and you run it through a software which will slice it into a toolpath. So it's very similar to with a traditional machining, how you you develop a a plan, a build plan, and a toolpath for how you're going to create that part. Same. It's just that we're adding material instead of taking it away. Once you have that toolpath, you you provide that to the machine. And I work with metal. So with our technology, it's called uh, directed energy deposition, also known as laser metal deposition. And we are blowing a metallic powder through a coaxial nozzle, heating it with a laser, and then depositing that to turn it into the form that we want it to be based on that toolpath. Awesome. I mean, that's layer after layer after layer. Um, eventually, you have this component. That's, that's exactly right. And what's the processing time for something like that? So it, it depends on, on the material and, and the part, uh, but we can go up to about 15 pounds of material per hour. Uh, so that's not only to build parts, but you can use that same technology and that same speed to repair parts. Man, wow. that's fascinating. I know. Um, the, the thing is, uh, you know, and this is all over the Internet, but I want you guys to visit. Please give us your website because uh, not only do we have uh, an audience, of a vast array audience, but we may have folks interested in uh, doing some business. What uh, What's the website? I want to make sure I get that right. Our website is www.formalloy.com. So it's F-O-R-M-A-L-L-O-Y. We form alloys. Uh, that's where our name comes from. And uh, you can find us on our website, and then we also are on Twitter and LinkedIn, Instagram, and all that. Yeah, we'll have that on our uh, Facebook as well. Um, lots of bioprinting going on. Um, in light of what's going on now uh, with uh, you know COVID and such, would 3D printing actually fit into the bioprinting side of replacing body parts? I have to ask that because science is amazing. Is that a practical thing right now or is that future? How's 3D printing uh, regarding bioprinting of replacement body parts? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly research going on in that area. I know uh, there are a lot of medical implants right now that are 3D printed, things like hip replacements, and they can be tailored for a specific uh, patient's needs or, um, you know, their, their bone structure. And uh, that's that's something that's happening now. Uh, dental implants as well are a lot of those are three D printed now. Um, and then uh, bioprinting is uh, becoming more popular as well, where you're actually printing um, uh, tissue versus you know titanium that you're going to put in the body. Oh, that's amazing, right there! Uh, yeah, wow. it's pretty awesome. 
I mean, and that's a that's probably got to be a really um, separate and distinct uh, field, or is that something, Melanie, that a company like Form Alloy could go from metal to okay, well, let's get into this bio sector, or is that completely different for you in your toolbox? Uh, they're they're pretty different technologies. Uh, we we pretty much just work with metals. Uh, we certainly do some medical applications with things like titanium for implants, but. Uh, bioprinting is sort of a whole other animal, and people a lot smarter than I am are working on that right now. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, here we are, low-level mechanics and service base. Well, i got to be careful, low-level. We work on 100 million lines of code on some of this stuff. Um, someday, having that ability, and of course, to scale, I mean, to be able to produce equivalent to what we're doing now, you know, 100 valve covers a day, um, it, it's just not as it's not practical or, or doable, but certainly, God, if you've got that odd part you need, here it is now. Like you know, I, I would imagine that a lot of a lot of you listening right now, where you have that one part missing on your ride, <laughs> right. you know, it's like that spring that's hanging out from you know just that <laughs> odd part. You now have the ability to actually finish it off, and you can three D print the sucker. I mean, that's got to be incredible. Do you have any stories that you can share with us, Melanie? Um, over your time, you know, the process of manufacturing, that's not a dull thing. There's a lot of excitement at that. But the stories behind that and sort of the satisfaction knowing that, oh, man, we made this whatever. Do you have any stories you can share with us that uh, you printed something that was really just a water cooler moment for everyone there at Form Alloy? Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I have an aerospace background, so I've I've always had you know, complete fascination with space and, and space travel and, and all that. And so I think one of my proudest moments is uh, some of the work that we do for NASA. So we've built them some rocket nozzle components. Nice. And, of course, in doing so, yeah, I mean, we're able to, um, you know, create things like combustion chambers that have superior performance to anything that they've been able to do in the past. And we're able to do that, one, by making a very complex geometry uh, with things like internal cooling features that you can't manufacture easily traditionally. And then we're doing things now with multi-materials. So in a single part, we're changing from one metal to another throughout the build, and we're giving it some really nice thermal properties in conjunction with the strength that you need to get to where you want to go in space. I heard th- two things, uh, uh, Susie, for space that Melanie said. Thermal properties. Yep. We don't need stuff to blow up. Yep. And strength, because that's what it's all about. Yep. And, and this is a really neat uh, science and, and technology, of course, that leads into this manufacturing process. Again, I invite you to visit formalloy.com. Uh, you can go through all their technology, products, and services. Um, how big of a company are you out there in California, Miss Melanie? Uh, so we are, we are a small business. We have less than 20 employees. Uh, but we do business around the world. We, do, we work with huge companies. We work with small companies. And pretty much everyone in between, uh, you know, like I said, we do a lot of work with NASA. So we're uh, we're a small business, but we're making a big impact, and we're really proud of that. Yeah, you are. That's awesome. You know what uh, I heard, Frank? Yes. I heard hip replacement. Uh-huh. I just had two hips replaced last year. Can you imagine <laughs> if I had a 3D printed hip? Like a like a ball joint socket kind of <laughs> hip thing? <laughs> Melanie, is that ridiculous, or is that... Is that happening? No, not at all. That, okay. That is, that is certainly on the horizon of, of what's possible, and... There, there might be people walking around right now. I know, I know there is actually some examples if you, if you look online where, where people have 3D printed parts in their body 
and uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Because Susie, know, they, Susie they was trying to learn. She, she was trying to learn how to walk faster, you know. And she figured if I get some thermal performance-like produced product, three D printing, I said, Frank, I'm walking fast now. Um, before we get to break, I gotta ask you because we've got a lot of youngsters right now who are or sort of on their way to college and they're trying to figure things out. How did you get involved with uh, aeronautics and that whole industry? And if I could well, ask, Melanie, what kind of challenges did you have with that? Sure. Well, I mean, growing up, I just had a fascination with space. So I used to launch model rockets with, with my dad on a regular basis, and it was always, you know, really exciting. And, um, you know, I had I, I was the, the, the youngest in my family, and or, I'm sorry, the oldest in my family. And so I, I sort of had all my entire family and aunts and uncles and everybody, you know, being big cheerleaders for me. You know, go do whatever you want to do. You can do anything you want. You could be any anything that you want to be. And, you know, I thought, hey, I love space. I also love, uh, you know, being artistic and creative. And so engineering was a great place to be because you can think critically and have a science-based background, but you can be very creative and sort of break the bounds of, you know, what people are saying is possible. And I think, you know, if you look at the different types of engineering, I mean, to me, aerospace is one that's the least explored, right? We know the least about space than we do about things on the physical earth. And so it was just always fascinating to me. Uh, and that's that's kind of how I got started, and then, you know, the 3D printing thing just just happened over time. Um, and and one day, like a light bulb went off of I'm having these challenges in aerospace. There's a lot of stuff in hobbyists going on right now, which is really inspiring with the whole sort of maker movement and you know people making their own their own 3D printers and their own parts, and uh, sort of combine those things together. Like, hey, we can change the way things are manufactured and make things better. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and I did see that. You guys, um, uh, first I invite you to get on the forum, alloy.com, but also peruse that Internet. You definitely, I mean, right out of the garage, you know, folks are, are sort of producing everything from cat casts to human being casts on all kinds of stuff, um, and that's 3D printing. So I want you to stay tuned. We're honored to have uh, Melanie Lang with Form Alloy, co-founder and CEO. We're going to talk about uh, the future, what's happening on the horizon for 3D printing, and where does the United States stand right now uh, amongst the globe and global uh, competition, if you will, regarding 3D printers? Uh, printers. Uh, stay tuned. Wrench Nation next. Bolt-on Technologies Automotive Software Solutions. Auto repair shops that have Bolt-on Technology software provide customer vehicle condition reports, including photos and text, real-time digital reports, multi-point inspections, estimates, and repair information at your fingertips. Info at boltontechnology.com. Vision collision. God forbid you get into an accident or you get a little bumper, fender, bender, slight, or even if you've got that shopping cart that ends up scratching the side of your newer ride. My friends at Vision Collision, they're certified. They deal with insurance companies, but also what I really like is they were able to deal with my situation. I didn't want to exercise my insurance. And I paid out of pocket, and they gave me a very fair price with quality work. So for any complete auto body paint and repair, you want that small business, the heart of business that treats you one-on-one. Vision Collision, 480-248-9049, visioncollision.com. When you're thinking about body shop or collision work, paint repair, dent repairs, collision, wheel restoration, Vision Collision is the way to go. Tell them Frank at Wrench Nation sent you, 480-248-9049, 480-248-9049, Vision Collision. 
Welcome back, Ranch Nation. I invite you guys to get on to Ranch Nation Facebook, uh, Instagram, and of course, uh, I always tell you if you've got any show topic ideas, we're here for you. It's our show. It's not just uh, we show up and we get a lot of input from you guys, and we appreciate that. Again, RanchNation.tv. Uh, we're exploring a topic of 3D printing. Uh, I think, Susie, it'd probably be a good idea with our special guest to to speak to those people right now that are interested in this field. We've got Melanie Lang, Form Alloy, co-founder and CEO. Welcome back, Melanie. Thank you. Hey, Melanie, hold on a second. I just got a text from your father, Doyle Lang, who's listening. He says that he is loving the show and is enjoying hearing you. On the radio. <laughs> well, all right. Big shout out to Dad. Yeah. <laughs> but Hi, I was getting. Oh, yeah. There you go. Say it again. Yeah. Hi, Daddy. There you go. <laughs> there you are. So, with all the conversations that we've been having, it's it's almost like you sound like a rocket scientist. Is we, that what you? I want? mean, you you went from like bottle rockets with Dad to now you just mentioned a heavy bunch of stuff at defense <laughs> industry NASA. Uh, we don't want to uh, under title, and we want to clarify: you are a rocket scientist. Is yeah, you, you can call us that. Yeah. All I mean, right. Well, I want to give you that privilege. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I love the title rocket science. Well, science. I do too because I think most people. I mean, let's just face it. You've you've heard your fair share of jokes about it. I mean, um, we unfortunately are have been known in the garage to say things like, "Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to adjust <laughs> those brakes," you know. <laughs> but now we we are just honored to have you on, and then all those great things that you're doing. You obviously made a segue. You know, you, you've commanded and capitalized on the science and the technology. And now as a, a, a younger entrepreneur, I would say, you're, you're on your way. You're in the 3D printing. How do you hire for this? Do you hire machinists? we got a lot of youngsters listening right now that are set to do their first few years in college. What kind of courses, what, what kind of classes would you take to get into 3D printing? Well, you know, right now there's a lot of research going on in the 3D printing world, so material science is certainly a hot topic if you if you want to go that route. Uh, there's also uh, mechanical engineering for the whole design side, not only design of the machines, but also their specialty. It's called uh, DFAM, or desi- Design for Additive Manufacturing. So there's actually specific training where you can learn how to design parts for additive, which are much different than, you know, designing traditional manufacturing parts. So those are some of the engineering fields. Um, but in terms of, you know, running the machines, you know, right now, typically a lot of the machines require a, you know, engineer type person to run and manage the machines. But we're moving towards having a machinist uh, person run the machine. And, and our particular machines run on G-code. So if you're used to any type of CNC machine, you know, you could pick it up very quickly. Um, so I, I certainly see uh, machinists as very important to, to 3D printing as we move forward, not only to take their knowledge of traditional manufacturing and, and using that to improve uh, the overall uh, result that you get from 3D printing, but also to run the 3D printers and, and use those as another toolkit in their toolbox. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think that opens up uh, opportunity uh, for a lot of folks, whether uh, we have well, let's face it, some of us right now, we're retooling. It reminds me of 2008. We've talked about this on the show before where uh, certain sectors and industries right now may have a severe correction. And, you know, it's never too late to, to pick up a new skill set. And um, with your permission, I didn't want to assume this, but I, I, I understand that you moved to a bigger facility out there in Spring Valley, California. Yeah? 
We did, yeah. We moved twice, so every every year and a half or so, oh, we're moving into right. a bigger space. So it's, Susie, it's been great. I'm saying we get Miss Melanie on the show every time they move, because if they're moving, <laughs> they're growing, and we want to announce the growth, and that is awesome. We love that. We're all entrepreneurs at, uh, at, at heart, no matter what we do. Um, but what was aiming at is that... Uh, uh, anyone that uh, we have uh, that would like to maybe visit Form Alloy, would would that be okay? I mean, don't worry. We're not, I mean, it's not the Jay Leno show. We won't have millions of people coming at you. But um, if one were interested to contact uh, you or any of your team, because they do have such a great interest, um, how would they reach you? Let's start off with that. So our email address for information is info at formalloy.com. And that box actually goes to multiple people, so that way, you know, my inbox can get full and and it it might get missed, but that one goes to multiple people and someone can get them information, videos, and you can subscribe to our newsletter because we do typically open up our facility a couple times a year where we do lunch and learns and we bring the public in. You have to register in advance and we'll do a tour and a demo and talk about the technology. That's Uh, awesome. Just to kind of get it out there. That is neat. We do do similar uh, functions at the garage. In fact, every month there's something uh, Ice cream this, a coffee this. Uh, you know, uh, we had the Cub Scouts in, Melanie. We were, uh, which, you know, how much can you go as far as Cub Scouts? But they would pick up the one-inch gun, and it's heavy, and it goes off, and it's an air gun, and these kids just love it. And and I think that, you know, black and white on paper, what a lot of us will research on the Internet, and that's cool. But to actually be able to maybe tour a facility, boy, that's enough to take someone and say, you know what? I'm going for it. And I'm sure you've had those moments, especially with dad listening. You know, you, you go through those moments of, I'm going for it. And, and I think you have certainly had that experience and, and by way of your success and your future with Form Alloy and your great team there, you almost can't. It, it's a hands-on no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And when you see the technology in person, it sort of all makes sense because it's, it's a little abstract for some people thinking, you know, how do you, how do you build something up from nothing, right? How do you do that versus, you know, hogging something out of a block of material when you see it and it happens in front of your, front of your eyes, it sort of all makes sense and the technology makes sense. And then you think about how else you can use it that we might not have even thought of. Yeah, I got a 56 Hudson right now in the garage. <laughs> Hollywood edition Hudson, the car's car. We're We've got some parts we we, we, we yeah we might have you make a part. We may need <laughs> to come on over to Spring Valley yeah. and see what we do. <laughs> yeah, we actually do a lot of work out in Orange County. Uh, we'll be at the uh, Fountain Valley Car Show. We hope we're hopeful. It's one of our first gigs of the year regarding uh, all this COVID stuff, and we're hopeful uh, for August to be out there. And we'll certainly reach out and 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 also give you an open invite. We'll stay in touch on that. But I got to ask you because back in eighteen. Almost a $10 billion billion industry, the 3D printing market size was. It's expected to reach, well, close to $35 billion. 2024 is sort of the estimates. You know a lot more than I do on that, hence that's why we're growing. Um, Is the United States lagging? Are are we, I mean, we just want to hear some pioneer spirits from the United States side. (laughs) Without alienating our great global partners, how is the U.S. doing right now with 3D printing? Uh, We lead that way? I mean... Yeah, yeah, we're, U.S. is doing great. And honestly, if, if you look at the overall size of the market and the maturity and the growth potential and the entrepreneurship, I would say U.S. leads the, the additive manufacturing space in, in, in those spe- specific aspects. You know, and then uh, Europe, I would say, is another leader, especially Germany and France. 
And then, you know, after that, I would say, like, the U.K., China, Japan. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's one of these technologies now where, you know, a lot of people are jumping on board and uh, sort of inspiring, you know, the, the next, you know, what's next? What can we do better? Well, I read about this. Uh, the LSEV, which is an electric vehicle, uh, very low-priced uh, vehicle out of China. It was about $7,500. A uh, company based in Hong Kong. Uh, with a design studio in Italy, and Polymaker, uh, which is a well-known Chinese 3D printing company. They actually, Susie, produced a car. I saw that. Now, I don't know, like you, like you say, I think, Melanie, it's like, okay, how can we get this, you know, to scale? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the difficulty, correct? I mean, you can't go out and produce 100 of these. I mean, I guess you could, but the investment would be a little upside down, yeah? At this point, Maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think initially, I mean, like you said, the, the challenge is really with that, you know, really high volume and, and being able to produce it on scale and, and sort of where additive fits in, in that regard. Um, but I certainly see this as a, as a future of vehicle manufacturing. I mean, you can think about, you know, fully 3D printed car bodies, which, as you know, you know, it doesn't require tooling or much less tooling. Uh, custom parts and the, and even for aesthetics, you know, we, we could even right now we could print a custom logo or a name or something right onto the body of someone's car. Oh, that's super cool. Now that's pra- that's practical. That's unique. It's uh, one off. It's yep. I mean, if you comes to mind is we had John Diagostino on. He's a world renowned custom car builder. He has the uh, Elvis two car sitting out in La La Land out there in L.A. I could see a guy like that doing something. I mean, if you've got $300,000 in a, in a Cadillac build, why not That's get right. it in there? What do you got, Susan? So I went online just to see if I can go buy a 3D printer. There's one for $179. Will I be able to make that hard-to-find radiator hose for my Celica with that printer? Man, that's got to be like a <laughs> you can make a thumbnail. I mean, really? Maybe a little cat, a little statue cat or something. Melanie, how realistic? I mean, a lot of folks can go online right now and buy these 3D printers. What, what should they be aware of? Yeah, I mean, there, there are so many uh, what I'll call hobbyists or desktop printers right now out, out there. The market is, is very flooded with those. and but, but, you know, that's a good thing because it's helped the technology, you know, grow really quickly. I know uh, we use uh, at work uh, a, a Prusa printer. Um, so for around $1,000 or less, you can get a pretty decent size uh, build volume. And, you know, you can print with some of the polymer materials. Uh, but so it really depends on your your application, the materials that you want to print. Um, you know, they can be the the home desktop printers can be fairly limited materials. So that that would be the number one thing I would look at. Uh, and then of course, you know, definitely read the reviews and you know try to get a referral if you know someone else that's in three D printing because there's so many out there and it's hard to keep track of them all. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that, and this is where Frank gets into trouble. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but this all has to do with how we are dispersing these layers of powder form. Is that correct? Or metal deposition. Isn't that where the expense could come in by way of a quality machine? Isn't that the business side of 3D printing is how well we're distributing those layers? And I'm thinking of a plasma cutter, actually, Susie. You know, the the tip of a plasma cutter or various other welders... That's where the precision business is at. And, of course, you know, the, the knowledge of how to mix, ga- you know, utilizing gases and so on. 
would that be the biggest difference? Uh, or maybe Frank's just way off. What is the difference between a, an average 3D printer and the big top dog that gets it done right every time? Uh, well, I think, uh, yeah, accuracy and pre- precision is certainly one. And then the quality of the materials. So if you if you buy a $175 printer, um, you're, you're probably going to have very inexpensive, you know, plastic uh, feed stock that you're going to feed in there. And it's not going to be very flexible in terms of the type of material that you can use and um, potentially, you know, how you program that. And then as you move up the scale, of course, if you're looking at metal 3D printers, the, the cost is going to go up, you know, significantly uh, for, for that. You're going to be in the, you know, typically, you know, closer to... 100, 100,000, uh, maybe 50K you could get something, but order of magnitude different from what you can get a, a plastic printer for. And as you sort of go up in price, you can do more and more features. So you can do more complex designs. You can work with more materials. And then also the quality of the print, I'll say, is, is sort of the last thing. So on some of the more inexpensive uh, printers, you might have a really rough you know, surface finish where you can see into the layers where it almost looks like you took a glue gun and, and made something like that. Uh-huh. Ah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty good with a glue gun, so does that qualify me for some 3D? I'm coming to see you. Half machinist, half glue maker, shaker, baker. Um, I, I just think it's fascinating. Um, let's talk a little bit more about, you do a lot of work in the industry and obviously a part of associations and, and, and staying abreast of you know the, the current events and such. Where do the morals and ethics fall into 3d printing and the potential for a future with i mean obviously not with fixed parts and things like that but with i'm thinking body parts Susie, like irobot stuff and you know is, is there current debate going on or is 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 this a non-issue are there ethics involved and how far we can go with 3d printing you know i'm sure there seems to be ethics about everything these days so i'm sure there's that are concerned about ethics. You know, my thought with 3D printing is always that if you can improve someone's quality of life or save their life, go for it. Bam. Bam. Yep. Not everybody's going to be a gold finger. <laughs> it's not a James Bond movie. Every, I mean, it does seem like some would... I mean, we all got to keep... I wouldn't say too regulated, but, you know, we, we don't need somebody out in the middle of nowhere. Ooh, 3D printing. <laughs> this is what I can do. It should benefit, and that's what you're saying. Yeah. It should be... And I think that's what creates so much promise. I mean, Susie, imagine 3D printed hip bone. You'd have been walking. <laughs> That'd be so cool. A lot better. You already hop, skip, and jump. We, we love that. <laughs> What's the practicality of a 3D printed house? You know, you, you see these online. Is that a reality? I mean, can I go and 3D print a house? Is it too expensive? Is it not going to last? Is that a reality in that uh, industry? Yeah, there's certainly companies that are focused solely on 3D printing homes, either for, you know, disaster recovery kind of things and just trying to get it done really quickly, uh, really rudimentary homes, and then there's, you know, more high-end, you know, high-design kind of things, and there's companies focused entirely on that. So uh, it's certainly something that's being done right now, and, you know, another really awesome area that, that 3D printing can make a big difference in. You know, I love the fact that it's at a hobbyist level too, Susie. Yes. Like a lot of technology comes out and we're like, oh yeah, that's you. are you kidding me? I'm not buying that. That's a that's a, a quadrillion dollars. But it's really cool, especially for the youngsters. Like mm-hmm. that's a whole other hobby to be introduced where, you know, you can spend a weekend with your son or daughter and, and just kind of 
well, you make mistakes. It's like a glue gun for yeah, the I first time. Yeah, I think it'd be I fun mean, to tinker around with. Yeah, and, and, and understanding that concept. Um, we want to know, Miss Melanie, whether it be yourself or one of your teammates there, or dad listening, <laughs> do you have anything in your home that you're really excited that you 3D printed, perhaps a lampshade or something like that? So we have some, I'll say, artistic pieces, uh, which were <laughs> parts that uh, that failed for one reason or other, but still look really cool, uh, that we have around our house. Um, we typically make bigger metal parts, so we don't have a, you know, a lot of household things, um, but we have fixed little things uh, that were broken by just adding a little bit of metal to the existing part and then having it remachined. Um, it's brand new. That, and, <laughs> and I customized my McLaren once in a while um, that nice. I was sitting, sitting out back. Yeah, nice. You know, I did read about, um, <laughs> yeah. That was a joke. <laughs> I did like McLaren. Well, you That's never know. I mean, we talked to a lot of people that own a McLaren. No. <laughs> um, I, I did read that there was a lot of partnerships between uh, some of the high-end performance automotive manufacturing. Uh, I'm trying to get my notes on. Do you see that there, Susie? Which I'm one? I'm trying to reference. There was a manufacturer working together with uh, 3D, and I just lost. You're talking uh, about GM? No, not the LACV out of Hong Kong. But there was. Anyway, I can't think of it. So my question would be, what manufacturers worldwide of cars do you see on the performance side? We mentioned um, Bugatti and, and maybe some of the performance additions that they're looking to do. Perhaps a fuel injector rail that they want to add on. Do you see a lot of that performance market really taking advantage of the 3D print world? You know, I certainly think that more could be done. I think uh, there's there's certain metal technologies and polymer technologies that are much more widely widely used. But as these you know newer technologies come on board, they can provide enhancements that can't be done any other way. For example, I mentioned the the multi material thing. So. You know, we could we could add copper to an aluminum part. We can make tooling, uh, auto multi-material for, you know, thermal conductivity reasons. And I think a lot of the technology that they're using right now is, uh, you know, single material uh, type components, which is great. You know, everyone has their journey of, you know, how they're going to get to their end game. And so they're certainly on the path. But I think that they could leapfrog some of the these performance things by looking at, okay, how do we do multi-materials for this one component? Right. Uh, it's Florida-based 10, 16 industries um, working together with the 2020 McLaren 720S. So you, I heard McLaren, and that's yeah. what my mind went right. Well, apparently, that car is pretty special right out of the gate, 2.8-second uh, car. But 1016 Industry uh, is working with McLaren to make things a whole lot more efficient from a manufacturing process, a lot more uh, productivity-wise, quicker, more efficient, and faster. At the end of the day, I mean, when you talk about a 720S supercar, so I can see that, but I know most of you listening out, well, Frank, I got a Kia Rio. How does that relate to what I got? You know what I mean? <laughs> but I, 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 I'm hopeful that this continues uh, growing in the automotive space, and it doesn't just remain in the realm of sort of the high-end stuff, and certainly not I mean, I know aerospace and in the uh, defense industry and all those companies that you, you know, are contracting through, Melanie, hopefully this does come down to just the average, I need a water pump crowd. 
Yeah, absolutely. It certainly has that potential. Yeah. That's super cool. All right, so I'm in high school. You've told me what I need to do, which all I heard was math and science. Get your act together. Uh, have a little machinist. You know, go out. You, you got to rebuild at least one lawnmower. That's the machinist side. Uh, formalloy.com. Melanie Lang doing some pretty incredible things. We're out in California often. We are certainly going to stay in touch, Melanie. And, and amazing and an honor to have you on the show and be able to open up a whole world of 3D printing. Uh, we so appreciate you joining Ranch Nation. Thank you so much. So, Melanie, when I talk to you, and I know you're a busy lady, and you were looking forward to being on the show today to give you a 60-minute mini vacation. Did we provide that? Oh, a little. You did. Thank you so much. <laughs> this was the, the most relaxing, fun 60 minutes I've had well, in quite a while. So we, thank you very much. <laughs> we've always said, man, it's our therapy as well. Thank you. <laughs> and a big shout out to dad for listening. I yep. thought that Hello, was pretty Doyle. cool. So uh, Melanie Lang, enjoy the week. Thank you so much. What an awesome Great. spend of time yep. together. And, you know, forumalloy.com, get get involved, see how that process is done. And as well as, hey, you may need something that can be 3D printed, uh, Forum Alloy, uh, Melanie Lang, go check them out. And, of course, we'll have more information uh, on the website, wrenchnation.tv. You guys know we upload those shows every weekend. And, of course, your favorite podcast players uh, throughout the weekend, uh, we upload the show. Listen to the show again. There were a lot of interesting tips, especially if you're uh, pursuing a, a career, a new career. I think this is uh, pretty exciting, Susan. It is. Any parting <laughs> words for the people? No, Frank, I think you're going to close us out like you always do. I think I will. As I tell you every week, man, be safe, hug each other, and never forget to hug a mechanic. Rock on. You know, when we're talking about a relationship in a business, we're talking about not only relationship with your clients, but also relationship with those folks that are working hard to help promote your business. TheMailShark.com. Many of you have marketing plans in place now that are kind of shaky. You're not getting the return that you want. TheMailShark.com. Print and direct mail made easier. They will get the job done for you. You want to talk about increasing your car count. You dive into a demographic within the one to three mile radius of your service center. TheMailShark.com. There's never any money up front. They give you the ability to mail and pay weekly. Talk about helping a small business cash flow with over 16 direct mail products with both paper and plastic options. They will keep your marketing fresh. And one of the things I enjoy working with MailShark is they have absolute world-class customer service. Print and direct mail made easy. Ask for John. TheMailShark.com Frank here with Wrench Nation. We appreciate you guys tuning in every week to the Wrench Nation Car Talk Show. But did you guys know I'm not basket weaving? I don't do roofing. I actually own Desert Car Care of Chandler. Boy, and I've got a great team down there. If you've got car repair or maintenance needs, I invite you to stop by my garage over a cup of coffee. Maybe you've got that large estimate and you're not sure where to go. Give me a call, 480-726-6400, Desert Car Care of Chandler. I want to 
Of course you want your mileage back and all the extra money you've spent feeding an engine gunked up with carbon. Your car needs its fuel system cleaned and it needs it now. You need BG44K. It's the one dealerships use the most. In fact, they use BG44K almost 3 to 1 over any other fuel system cleaner made. To find a shop near you, go to BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. I got my mileage back. BG. Now, what's on WrenchNation.tv? There's a billion websites out there. Well, there's a ton of nice shows I think you guys will enjoy. We know how it is. I mean, you got three to five seconds to listen to anything. You all got ADD. (laughs) Susie? Yes, Am I lying? You're not lying. People don't have attention anymore. So I'm just going to tell you right up front. We know this. We understand. Some of you are already gone because you just oh, got to get over there. Next. You capture our attention, though. Well, WrenchNation.tv. I mean, you can catch. Leave it to Beaver's Tony Dow. We had a 50-year reunion with the Corvair. Yeah. 50 years that car came back in his life. Yes. Now, here's uh, I get excited about this community situation. Open change. Vehicle donations making a difference. There's a organization that has uh, donated uh, north of 6,000 cars on the East Coast. And last week, Noor Daoud, Palestinian drift racer from Ramallah. Do you know what it's like growing up in Ramallah, Palestine? I don't even know where that's at. It's in a very volatile area of the world. Like people are trying to just eat for it. I mean, it's tough. And she is out there breaking the barriers. But that's all on WrenchNation.tv. And with that, I will invite you because we're all family up in here. 